five-game night in the NBA. We've got you covered with everything you need to know very, very quickly. And it's after Christmas, which means the NBA season has actually started. We give you our power rankings. And a month to go until the trade deadline. We're going to figure out who the buyers and sellers should be. It's the Locked On NBA podcast. Let's go. You are locked on the NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. The new year is here, and we're here to welcome you to 2019. I am John Corrales, beat writer for MassLive.com, Celtics beat writer. Find me on Twitter at RedsArmy underscore John. And I'm Jake Madison, host of the Locked On Pelicans podcast. You can find me on Twitter at NolaJake. Do anything good for New Year's, Jake? We, I watched fireworks. I had some champagne. I had some whiskey. I got no complaints. What about you? Uh, I, I watched the Celtics lose to the Spurs, so I've got a big complaint there. Oh yeah, I watched basketball, I guess. I should yeah. say that. <laughs> the Pels played at home. That's kind of important. Uh, see, you, you got that nice home game. Celtics were on the road and it was crappy weather, so I couldn't go out and enjoy anything, get to watch the fireworks from my balcony, which was nice. So yeah, 2019 off to a decent start, starting my new job as the Celtics beat writer on MassLive.com and uh, getting ready for a whole half of the season yet to go. So five games on the schedule tonight. Why don't we start with the little segment we like to call Too Long, Didn't Watch. We're going to start with Utah and Toronto, the Raptors. 122-116 winners with a career high from Kawhi Leonard, 45 points, Jake. Yeah, he's getting ready for the big game upcoming as they take on the San Antonio Spurs soon. He looks good. The Toronto team just looks good in general. I'm sure we'll probably touch on that later on here. Jay Crowder, though, off the bench for Utah, 30 points for him. Uh, they got 21 from Derek Favors, who led the starters there, and just kind of not enough when Kawhi's going to put up a career high. Not enough if Pascal Siakam's going to drop 28 and 10 on top of you, too. I think Siakam's having probably an all-star season for the Raptors. Utah, big problem. Joe Ingles, who's really gotten cold. He's 0 for 5 in this one, 0 for his last 8, 1 for his last 11 from 3. So if Jingles isn't hitting, they're going to have problems winning. Moving on, Milwaukee and Detroit uh, in Milwaukee, 121-98, cruising, the Bucks cruising to a win. It wasn't Giannis Antetokounmpo doing the big damage. The big damage was Brooke Lopez. I love this stat line. Seven of 12 from three. His, he only took one two pointer. 25 points for Brooke Lopez. That is amazing to me that he's shooting like that this season. Sneaky, sneaky good signing for Milwaukee this whole year. He is a perfect big man to put in the front court next to Giannis. By the way, so he only, Giannis only had what, 15 in this one. He had one of the most monster dunks where he just threw that arm like completely behind him and then threw it right on over, was it John Lauer, I think? Um, and just, oh, posterized him. That one is one of the more impressive dunks I've seen in a while. But for the Pistons, 29 of Blake's pretty good. Like, they're competitive. They're kind of fun to watch at times. I don't hate this Pistons team. Yeah, they, they've just got too many holes. Uh, Reggie Jackson was okay, but she's bad on defense. For me, if I'm going to be positive about the Pistons, I'm going to look at Kyrie Thomas, who got 19 and a half minutes, a season high, a season high 13 points. 
shooting 50%, 5 of 7 from the line, 2 of 2 from 3. He's a second-round pick, and if the Pistons are looking for signs that the future might be bright, getting Kyrie Thomas a little time off the bench and seeing a second-round pick produce like this at any point during his rookie season is a good thing for the Pistons. All right, Knicks, Denver, and it's the Nuggets 115-108 winners at home in a game of returns. Gary Harris returns for the Nuggets, and Emmanuel Moutier comes back to face the Nuggets as a Nick. The, the Knicks in this one were competitive, and you had right. Kevin Knox, who put up 18, who was just kind of taken over at one point. Uh, Noah Vonley did what he could against Jokic, but played well there. You had Frank Tilakina actually look decent when he's getting some minutes. You had Moutier against his former team put in 15 points. Like, there's some talent on that team that's clearly not there yet, and they're missing a guy like Porzingis and maybe another player to put around him, because I think a lot of these guys are role players. But when they try, they're competitive in things. I, I would say so. They've been competitive. They've, they have, I've seen them struggle against the Celtics, uh, and I've seen them beat the Celtics. So they, they run hot and cold sometimes. But they they really have uh, that fire, like you said. They're not an easy out. And Kevin Knox quietly having a, a nice little season after a slow start. He's, in December, averaged 17 points, 18 points for him tonight. So if we're looking for that, that's your positive. I do want to bring up this tweet, though, from our Locked On NBA brother in arms, Adam Mattis who co-hosts the Friday show. I'm just going to read his tweet directly. This is the 11th 30-plus assist game for the Nuggets this season. The Knicks have a total of nine 30-plus assist games since 2011-2012. So the Nuggets moving the ball around. Knicks, not so much. Moving on to Portland-Sacramento, a fun game in overtime. Portland, 113-108. This one was a big monster game from Yusuf Nurkic. 24 points, 23 rebounds. That's how you double-double, my friends. He also, by the way, led the Blazers with seven assists. Seven assists. He also had five steals and five blocks in just an insane kind of crazy five-by-five five game and kind of just let him down the streets. Like He was huge in this one. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Uh, the, the Portland Trailblazers, though, also got a big Dame Lillard performance because, of course, he had 14 points in the fourth, 14 points in the fourth quarter and overtime. The Sacramento Kings struggling to close out a game again, but Buddy Heald proving to be a nice pickup. We laughed when the Kings coveted Buddy Heald. Uh, they're the ones laughing now. Buddy Heald has been playing extremely well. And he was super hot in this game, uh, basically willing Sacramento to at least close to a win, 27 points uh, on 5 of 8 from 3 shooting. So a nice night from him. Let's finish up the slates with the Clippers and the 76ers, another game that went down to the wire. And, well, sort of some ejections in this one as the – 76ers beat the Clippers 119-113. Jimmy Butler and Avery Bradley kicked out of this game, which I think was soft on the officials. I don't know why they did it. Just pushing. 
It, I think it was after kind of the jawing between Bradley and um, Joel Embiid. Before that, maybe they just kind of didn't want things to potentially get out of hand. Like, that's the only reason I can see it. I guess, you know, you think they probably closed the tunnels in between the locker rooms after all that? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, Embiid, by the way, big game for him, 24 and 13. Danilo Gallinari. I'm not going to go Chris Webber because I get annoyed when Chris Webber really draws that out now. But. Gallinari, 20 points uh, for the Clippers, who are now 21 and 15. And that is your night in the NBA. We're whipping through that schedule here. Now, after the break, we're going to get into our power rankings because this season really just began. Christmas is the beginning, quote-unquote, of the season in the NBA. So let's really see what's really real. We're going to do that after a short break here on the Locked On NBA podcast. Christmas is coming gone. The NBA season is now It's real. It counts. It's real. <laughs> the, all of the it's early stuff is starting to go away because now we've flipped the calendar. So now we can have a look and see who's got not just great records, but let's really see who's who's for real, who we think is at the top of the power, and they call that normally a power ranking, power in the NBA. So we'll just go through like the top 10 or so and see who's real. So my top in the NBA right now has to be the Toronto Raptors. Another win. Kawhi looks great. They've gotten some great performances from guys like Pascal Siakam, like we said earlier. At 28 and 11, they are just behind Milwaukee for the best record percentage wise in the NBA. I think right now they are the class of the NBA. Yeah, I actually agree with you on that. I think when they've kind of got the star power there of Kawhi Leonard, the coaching staff is working with all of these guys, as you said. Um, they've kind of, it just, it's working and I know we don't trust them in the playoffs and maybe they'll kind of hit that kind of wall that they've done in the past. It just kind of feels like a different year for them. The fact that they're able to kind of retool on the fly with the coaching staff, the roster a little bit and still be this good and still kind of be the tops in the NBA. I think it's got to be a good sign going forward for him. Yeah. So who do you have for number two? Two, I have Golden State. You know, it depends if we're looking at these power rankings for like right now or for the rest of the season, something like that. Yeah, Look, we're making up the rules as we go. Yeah, we, we we get to do whatever we want. That's the cool thing here. Like, you know, it's just they're still the Golden State Warriors. They've kind of been a bit up and down so far this year. You maybe don't trust them as much as you would have in the past. Draymond Green's kind of having a down year, but Clay Thompson is kind of getting out of his shooting slump that he's been in, and they're still the Warriors, the only team that's going to beat them still is likely themselves, though they're doing a very good job of that so far. <laughs> yes, they are. Yeah, I, I kind of struggled with this because you have the like the Bucks at twenty six and ten, and obviously things are going very well for them. But who would you? And I, I power rankings are just so obviously subjective. They they shift. I'm going to say the Warriors at second as well. Because I just, for the same reason you say, like, in the end, if I'm picking who could, if they both play at their best, who's going to win, I, I really should put Golden State number one. But 
Toronto, yeah. Toronto has earned the number one. So I'm not going to slight them. So Golden State number two. I'll put Milwaukee number three because not only have their signings worked out, but Giannis is on another level. When in tonight's game where he didn't score a ton of points, he, he did other things to, uh, to help them win. Uh, he had, I'm just pulling up his numbers here, eight rebounds, seven assists, a steal, three blocks. So not just the 15 points, but he's able to do other things. If he can, if he can pump up some of those assist numbers, then that's going to really help. But you know, Middleton had a big game. Uh, he's Lopez been playing had, exceptionally well too recently. Think, like, yeah, Middleton I think is an All Star this year. Yeah, he looks. Look, I have Milwaukee at three as well. I'm glad we're differing for debate on the podcast here. Everything everyone loves when people are harmonious you know, we're, on we're these things. To yeah. Each other. Yeah, so go ahead, like, go ahead yeah. and put Sacramento at four so I can yell at you. Yeah, there we go, right? Um, maybe it'll be about how far down I have the Celtics. I don't know. <laughs> um, so, okay, so we both got Milwaukee at three. I've got Denver at four. One of the reasons was that stat you said from, from Adam where they pass the ball around. They're fairly deep. Um, they've got a lot of shooting there too, and they are just a pain in the ass to play on the road or at home, I should say, for them. It's like you don't want to go to Denver and play these games, so if you're looking at them in the playoffs or something like that, they're going to be a really tough out or have a huge advantage somewhere. Yep, that's fair. That's fair. My problem is – I. I really fall into the I don't trust them. And part of the reason I don't trust them is they're just above 500 on the road, although you could say that about the Milwaukee Bucks too. Um, I I feel like and, and there's also the injuries that keep cropping up. Like there's there's something there that keeps me from putting Denver that high. I still have them pretty high. But I'm going to go with Houston, actually, at four, for a lot of the same reasons that we're looking at Golden State. And Houston is now on fire, 91 of their last 10. Uh, James Harden is just in another world right now. He's dropping 50-point triple-doubles, 40-point triple-doubles. I think, in the end... He makes them just too difficult. And then when Chris Paul gets healthy, I just, I know I've had problems with Houston in the, in the past this season. I still think the talent level is way too high. And once they got rid of Carmelo Anthony, they've started to figure some things out, uh, defensively. I'm, I'm just gonna believe in them. And, and maybe this is just me trying to go back to my preseason thinking Houston was a good team and now, they're starting to creep back up. I'm going to put Houston here at four. I've got them further down, but I'll talk about them here, I guess. And it's it's the defense that's kind of been the most impressive thing. Is they're really starting to turn that around. They're you know like they're known for just switching on everything they do, and that's kind of burned them when you don't have like a guy like Trevor Ariza who can kind of handle the switches better than a guy like James Ennis maybe. And now they're not switching on everything, and that's really paid dividends. And then when you have Harden playing like that, he's playing out of his mind. So you know, I wonder if they can keep it up. But the thing is, do you really want to bet against James Harden? That's the thing. That's yeah. The thing. So, okay, so that's my fifth. That's my, wait, one, two, three, fourth. So your fifth. 
I've got the thunder there, actually. I am a believer in this team. They look fairly complete defensively. They are outstanding with Steven Adams and Paul George out there on the perimeter. Offensively, Paul George and Russell Westbrook. And I, I don't know. I, I thought they looked really good opening night in that loss to Golden State, and I've only like believed in them more. Yeah, I think one thing to, to really note is that uh, I think Russell Westbrook is, is kind of adjusting his game a little bit more than he has in the past. And the, the partnership with him and Paul George is really, really good. So I have OKC a couple of spots down. So at, to review my picks now, I'm at Toronto, Golden State, Milwaukee third, Houston fourth. I'm putting Denver fifth right after Houston. And then I'm putting OKC down there. So you've got Toronto, Golden State, Milwaukee, Denver, OKC. And who's after OKC for you? OKC, I've actually got the Pacers in this spot. Just a well-coached team that knows what they do well, and they go out and do it. Tyreek Evans playing a little bit better form overall, too. I think that kind of adds a bit of a dimension. I don't trust them to go very far and say the playoffs, but during the regular season and kind of what they're doing right now, they've been really good. Yeah, they have been. I have them a couple of spots further on down. So then, let me just make sure. Yeah, I'm going to put the Celtics just above Indiana. And I think they're basically interchangeable at this point. But I'll list them alphabetically. So I'll put (laughs) (laughs) There you go. That's the tiebreaker. Yeah, that's the tiebreaker, alphabetical. So We get to make the rules. That puts Boston at my seventh spot, right? So Toronto, that's three, six, Boston, seven, and I have Indiana, eighth. Uh, I, I do think that Indiana is, is a very good team. They've gotten some, some really great performances from, you know, across the board. Miles Turner is starting to figure himself out a little bit more. We forget how young he is and that he's just starting to enter his prime and he's still, you know, some players develop at different, different rates. Yep. And I think Miles Turner, I've been a Miles Turner fan, even though he's, I thought he was going to be progressing a little bit faster. I think he's starting to figure it out. That's a big piece for them to start to figure things out. You, you know, you've got your basic, your, your, your regular uh, culprits for success in Indiana, but I think Turner helps them out. As for the Celtics, uh, I, I know that they struggle. They have lapses. I've watched them have a, a, a horrible lapse halfway through the third quarter against the, the Spurs, and they gave up 46 points in the third quarter. When they, for some reason, when they get going, and they they really can play well against the best teams out there, they're also missing Aaron Baines, and I'm hoping, from a Boston perspective, that they can get him back. He's such an important player. If they get Baines back, that helps them in in ways that I don't think people around the league understand. Not only for the defense, but he's their far and away their their team leader in screen assists. He screens very very well. He springs guys on their offense. And Kyrie's playing out of his mind. I think once everything comes together, and the other the other thing I'll just throw out there for the Celtics is Gordon Hayward. I think will find his groove. He had a surgery in late May, and he said back then that it actually told Zach Lowe in October that the stuff that he was doing in the preseason was stuff that he was hoping to do over the summer. So the first three months of this season has basically been what he'd hoped to do over the summer. And I think with that injury, with that setback, I think somewhere at the end of the regular season, towards the end of the regular season, getting into the playoffs, he's going to find a groove. 
that's just me having that inside look at the Celtics. So I'm, I'm admittedly probably ranking them higher than most people because I see that potential in them. And I still think they're going to make a very deep run in the playoffs. Yeah, I think they likely will too. I actually have them at nine right now. Kind of like the reasons you mentioned, just not being the guy in Boston, so I don't trust it as much. Like I'm, I'm assuming Gordon Hayward's going to come around. You know, they've shuffled the lineup a little bit, and then they've started to kind of find what works for them, which I think is a good thing. I just need to see it a little bit longer, and then I'm going to really probably start to believe in this team. Helps when you're led by a guy like Kyrie Irving. Yeah. So now, after the Pacers, who do you have? I've got the 76ers there. I mean, there's just so much talent. It seems like they can put it together just a little bit more. Uh, you know, they have games like uh, tonight where they went out and just kind of blew the doors, at least initially, off of the Clippers, um, despite being in L.A. for New Year's Eve. That's always a good sign when you come out and play like that after the L.A. nightlife. So that's kind of a bit impressive. Like, I don't think they're there yet, and I don't know if they're going to necessarily get much higher than this, in my opinion. But right now, they're kind of doing exactly what they'd expect. Again, you've got Joel Embiid, you've got Ben Simmons, you've got Jimmy Butler. There's a lot of talent. There is a lot of talent, and I, I think Butler has another uh, level that he can reach. I think he's kind of taken a, a little bit of a backseat. He hasn't been the guy that he was necessarily in Minnesota. I think he's – got to check the numbers. I think his usage rate is down a little bit. He can, I think, moving forward, find another another level – uh, the big question for me as they move forward into the playoffs is Ben Simmons, who absolutely refuses to shoot. I saw the Celtics completely abandon him, and they also have depth issues. T.J. McConnell, you, you, they really helped off of him. They, there's really uh, not much off the bench for the Sixers. So if the Sixers can make another move, they can add some useful help then they'll climb in my rankings. I have them ninth. I, I, I see the talent there. If Butler can start to creep forward and do like a little bit more of a takeover and, and slowly kind of become the guy, then I think that'll help them a lot. But there's, I do think they have a Simmons problem if teams well, they- are built if they if they play him, if they sag off of him, I think that becomes a problem for Philly. You, you saw it in the game against the Clippers tonight where they kind of were going to make Ben Simmons beat them. And if he's not going to shoot and he doesn't want to shoot at all, it can definitely be a problem. That's one of the reasons why you saw the Clippers go on a 10-0 run to kind of claw their way back in it. Yeah. Okay. So we've gotten to uh, – so I've – I've got, I'm up to nine. I don't know how I've gotten to two, two people ahead, two teams ahead of you. So eight and nine for you. So I've, I've got, got I, I put, I'm putting Philly at ninth. Okay. Got you there. I've got the Rockets behind the Sixers at seven for the reasons we talked about there. I think they're steadily improving. I think seven kind of given how they started the year is pretty good right now. I've got the Celtics at nine and then I've got the Clippers at 10 just because I really have no idea where to put them. They're good. They're just kind of like – it's like an island of misfit toys right there kind of. Like some of these are really good toys, and they're going to score a lot of points for you and potentially win you games. But for some reason, it's not like a cohesive unit to me just yet. Um, and, and they're kind of lacking the star power that they need, though. Tobias Harris has been awesome this year. So, like, you got, felt like I needed to put them in the top ten. Yeah. No, I, I agree that they are in that mix. I think there's a, a logjam there of Portland – 
the Clippers, the Lakers to a lesser degree, uh, the Spurs. I'm going to give in to the recency bias just because I just saw what the Spurs did to Boston. They're also hot. They're at 7-3 and three in their last 10 games. They're figuring it out. Of course, they're terrible on the road, but they're great at home. So I'll put San Antonio at 10. That, again, recency bias. There's uh, a bias in my undying affection for Greg Popovich. And I would still, even at my age, run through a wall for him if he, if he was my coach. And I just, I, I can never bet against San Antonio. They've got, they're not classically built for success in today's NBA, but when they've got everything going, they, they're the best three point shooting team in the NBA percentage wise. They, they will drive. And if they can drive and use that to, to free up their shooters, and the way I saw Lamarcus Aldridge play against the Celtics, man, if they're doing that, they're going to be hard to beat. No, I mean, it's the Spurs, and I think a lot of people kind of counted them out a little bit too early this year, despite the fact that they're adding a guy like DeMar DeRozan. They're still Greg Popovich. They still have a guy like, you know, LaMarcus Aldridge and others that kind of make them go. I'm not a big fan of their defense. I think it's been pretty bad at times this year. I think that's kind of my one reason for not putting them in the top ten. But, like, I think at the ten spot, you can almost pick any of those teams that are kind of in there and, like, put them in, and no one's really going to complain. All right, so our official... New start to the season power rankings. Mine, Toronto, Golden State, Milwaukee, Houston, Denver, Oklahoma City, Boston, Indiana, Philly, San Antonio. You've got Toronto, Golden State, Milwaukee, Denver, Oklahoma City, Indiana, Philly, Houston, Boston, Los Angeles Clippers. There it is. Fight with us on Twitter. He's Noah Jake. I'm Reds Army underscore John. Go ahead and tell us how much we suck at these. Now, coming up next... Buyers and sellers, the trade deadline just about a month away, so now we're really going to start getting into the nitty-gritty of who's making moves now that we've figured out who's officially good and who's not, who should be buyers and who should be sellers when we come back on the Lockdown NBA podcast. Just about a month to go, Jake. Teams are going to be making moves. Trades are going to happen. I think this could be an active one because of just so many guys on expiring contracts and teams are getting will be getting these these rentals and it's almost going to be like free money you swap a guy who's on an expiring contract you pick up a guy who's on an expiring contract you never know what's going to happen so we've seen who the good teams are we know who the bad teams are but there's nuance here because some teams are rebuilding so let's start looking at who should be buying and who should be selling and if you want to start I felt like you were just about to jump in. I Well, so I actually think it's going to be kind of a quieter trade deadline just because I think if you look at the West right now, it's it's a jumble. I mean, 14 of 15 teams are in contention. And as a team like Dallas, who probably should be a, uh, should be a seller and be a little bit more patient with their young core, not necessarily going to want to go that route. And I think that kind of potentially puts fewer sellers out in the market and too many buyers out of the market. So things get kind of less done or I guess than you'd, you'd ideally expect it to be but certainly a team like phoenix should be a seller you have to imagine a team like atlanta should be selling cleveland absolutely and then a team like washington should but probably won't and that's kind of like i don't know almost the extent of it in my opinion maybe washington sell should sell sell like just just give it up man sell start selling uh i i think that they 
they're in a jam. And of course, this is our weekly. We took a week off last week, but this is our weekly. <laughs> we got a rag on them, right? The Wizards, but they, you're running out of time in Washington to get something out of these guys. Somebody, if you put Bradley Beal on the market, man, somebody's gonna take him. Somebody wants a guy that's that's that good. Otto Porter, get what you can. Although, who knows with with these guys. The, the way they handled the uh, Ariza Kelly Oubre trade, they obviously are not a team that that can be trusted to make the right decisions. But my number one seller in the NBA right now should be the Wizards. Start over. Should be. Who's your actual number one seller? <laughs> I think I, you you know you you make a good point that I don't I don't know. Which team is actually going to be selling? Because if you look at the worst, like Phoenix, who are they going to sell? So that was my other thing was I was looking at the roster. It's like, so who do they get rid of now that they got rid of Ariza to, to bring in young guys or young picks? Really? It, it's, it's just kind of not there. And then you look at a team like Memphis who shouldn't be selling because they don't control their own first round pick. And if they continue to fall out of contention like they have, like they're probably not going to be a seller. Um, they're trying to just be competitive this year. It's kind of weird right now. And I don't even know if this is going to get resolved in like the next month as we get closer to the trade deadline. No, and I, no, I don't think, I don't think it will. I really don't think it will. I think a team like Charlotte, should probably sell, and I think Charlotte should probably try to figure out what they can get for Kimball Walker, and see. For me, they're even even though they're they lead their division, they are a 500 team. They have bad contracts. They need to figure out how to get this reset done. They're going to get. They've got three guys on expiring deals. Next year, like Bismack Biombo is going to opt in to his contract. And that's a guy that they should try to find uh, a new home for. Uh, and the only way to do that is by attaching him to like Kemba Walker and finding somebody to take him or Marvin Williams or Michael Kidd Gil- Gilchrist or Batum. No, it's going to be hard to move any of those guys, but Kemba right now at 12 million. If you take, if you suck up one year of Bismack Biombo, and then you pay Kemba Walker, and then Biombo comes off the books, that's that's got to be a move that somebody's got to consider. Yeah, like I could see that, and that wouldn't surprise me. I just don't think Charlotte's going to actually do it. I think if no. you're looking. For like teams that are actually going to sell, the Cavaliers are going to try and move J.R. Smith. They can potentially move Rodney Hood too if he doesn't really kind of fit what they're doing, and they're going to be bad for a number of years. So that makes sense. The Knicks, they're probably not sellers. There's just a ton of young guys on there, and they want to keep them playing unless they maybe move T. Lakina. But is he a big needle mover for any team? Probably not. Chicago should be sellers. There's guys that are pretty appealing there in uh, Robin Lopez and Justin Holiday. But with uh, with what Boylan being the head coach and kind of wanting to establish this new culture, do you get rid of two established veterans who can kind of lead your young locker room? No, because you're probably asking for you know another near mutiny there, and then you. <laughs> 
you, you know, you get to Atlanta and maybe they moved uh, Deadman and Bazemore. But again, are those guys maybe more valuable to have on their teams to kind of show young guys like um, Collins and Trey Young how to be professionals? And I think that's some things that's maybe going to keep a guy who should be moved on a team instead. I'm going to say that Miami should. Oh, that's a good one. Probably sell. Miami's got guys. They've got to figure out a way. And the only way that they're going to get a, a good player in is by selling. Um, and they've got decent players at okay contracts that, and they're, they're going to be over the tax next season. They're, they're going to be the, the team that can maybe package some of these guys and, bring in uh try to bring in a star like they can sell off and try to maybe get a reclamation project or, or bring somebody in so I, I think Miami should be active what about Portland so they're a weird one too like they I don't know you know it's like you were just putting them close to 10th in your power rankings and they've looked I guess significantly better than maybe I was thinking they would going into this year like that loss to the Pelicans in the first round was pretty damn demoralizing if you're them it could give you an easy reason to kind of start over and then no you know they're definitely going to be buyers I think and they'd like to add something it seems like maybe in the front court a little bit or some more depth there but they, uh, they have to be active even though their tax bill and their salary caps situations like all kinds of messed up yeah yeah i mean it, it is a bit messy uh, let's go into some of the buyers here as we wrap this up quickly what about the toronto raptors as buyers i i just wonder if they can consolidate some of their bench talent and turn that into another big player can they turn around and give up somebody with value to get a big player that can come in and make like, this is their year. This is the run that they're going to make. And just what if it's, what if it's Kemba Walker? What if they bring in Kemba Walker and offer up somebody like Ananobi and what, I don't know, Norm Powell, Danny, whatever, some something to make a match. I, I didn't really go through the trade machine on this one. No, we're being, we're being, it's, 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 there's still time. We're being hypothetical. I like the idea of them looking to add like not just kind of like a minor upgrade, but like a significant piece that like definitely gets them over the hump, basically. Yeah, like this is they're really good, but they're still it's still unclear whether we can trust them. Kyle Lowry's going through some stuff. He's getting injections for for pain and whatever. I don't know if if Golden State seems vulnerable and they're probably the most vulnerable that they've been and you're not 100% sure you feel okay about maybe getting Kawhi Leonard back but you're not 100% sure about that and it if he doesn't come back you're going to have to blow it up anyway is there a is there a, a move that they can make to just say screw it we're going for it let's go for it and become the absolute, no doubt about it, best team in the East. Forget Boston. Forget Milwaukee. That one player that they get is just going to be like, oh, my God. But they are now absolute challengers to the Warriors. I think there's there's value in that. 
Oh, yeah, big time. And actually, that's the type of move, now that you say it, that I would see them making over, again, like a smaller piece. They don't need more depth on that team. They need something that maybe kind of puts them over the top. So I think that's an interesting idea. I can tell you for sure, one team that's looking to be a buyer, that would be the New Orleans Pelicans, is they make kind of a desperate run towards the playoffs, being four games out right now, and hope that they can maybe keep Anthony Davis beyond this year. They've been burning up the phones. (laughs) I'll tell you one team that is not going to be a buyer that people think might be. It's the Boston Celtics, who are probably on the phone with the New Orleans Pelicans <laughs> for other reasons. Um, I I think, I hate saying this to you, but I think New Orleans should sell. But not at the trade deadline. I think New Orleans should consider selling at draft time and seeing if, if what kind of offer Boston's going to put on the table. Boston, Boston has the talent and the picks to make the best possible offer to, to make a quick reset. But it's not possible, again, because of the Rose rule. They, the Celtics cannot have Kyrie Irving and Anthony Davis on this team at the same time. So I don't think they're going to be active at the trade deadline. I think just because they want to see what happens at draft time in this, over the summer. So, uh, and if they do, make an offer, and if they do actually trade for Anthony Davis, they'll probably have to include Marcus Smart, so they're not going to get rid of Terry Rozier at the deadline, because in that scenario, they'll probably want to re-sign Terry Rozier as the backup. They're not going to get rid of Marcus Morris, because Marcus Morris is having a borderline all-star season for the Celtics. So they, they're they not going to give up any of their guys that could go to New Orleans in, in that sh- whatever percent possibility it is. So uh, New Orleans could go ahead and buy at the deadline and, and try it. I think the counterproductive possibility there is they do try to make a run because they are at the edge of making uh, the playoffs, and they still don't. And then at that point, Anthony Davis goes, okay, you tried hard, and you still couldn't do it, so now I'm definitely out. Yeah, there's kind of like a weird flip side to them, like trying, and uh, they're in a weird spot. It's like damned if they do, damned if they don't. There's like nothing really uh, else to do. Like they have, they're they're trying to be buyers. You know, they were close to, maybe not close, but they were in talks for Jimmy Butler. They're going to do what they can to at least sell Anthony Davis, and then worst case is, you know, you trade him. And I think it would be around draft time, and I think that's probably the more likely scenario than anything right now. Um, And I wonder if that means the Lakers aren't going to be active at this deadline either, and they're not going to be buyers, even though it stands to reason they should be. Because team, you know, they realize Boston's going to make an offer for AD. They want him, so they need to save their assets for it too. Yeah, look, this entire conversation has proven to me that you are correct going into this segment when you said it's probably going to be a quiet deadline. I've been convinced. Yeah, that's this, that's that my I read think, of this. <laughs> I think I think you're right. I think my read was wrong initially. Just in in discussing this a little bit more. I don't think I don't think anybody's going to really make any big moves. Everybody's kind of waiting. So, all right. Well, you tell us if you think somebody's going to buy or sell, or if you think we're right or wrong. Again, I'm on Twitter, Reds Army underscore John. Of course, find my work now at MassLive.com. And I'm Jake Madison, host of the Lockdown Pelicans podcast. You can follow me on Twitter. It's at Nola Jake. Oh, yeah, I should plug the podcast, too, Lockdown Celtics. That's it. Thanks for listening, everybody. You guys know who we are. Come on. Uh, Thanks for listening. This has been the Lockdown NBA podcast. We're part of the Lockdown Podcast Network.